listening to the Zenial Dadcast. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. This is Mo, and today, today is going to be a unique episode in the sense that I am uh, recording on my own, but I'm not going to be speaking to myself. Uh, I'm going to be speaking to my boy. There, I, I realized recently with everything that's going on in the news that the whole reason why this podcast exists is so that I could somehow funnel myself, my ideas, my opinions. I could funnel that into into something like this that my son and any future children I have uh, are able to access it and actually get to know me. Maybe in a way that we aren't really meant to know our parents. So we'll make this episode this episode. And uh, today's band to dig out is Grass is Green. This is an indie alternative band, a loud band, a really creative uh, band out of Boston. I don't believe they're active anymore, but they were around when I was in my heyday, in my 20s, and they were really good. So we'll check them out in a little bit. What's really uh, propelling this idea is, you know, I knew that when I became a father, it was a... uh, it was, it was a significant change, a redefinition of who, who I am. And that was scary at first. But then, you know, as, as you fill in your own shoes, you start thinking differently and you start perceiving the world a little bit differently. And not to say that, you know, before I had kids, I didn't care about any of this stuff. In fact, I did a lot. But it just seems to hit hard and it seems to hit differently. Now that you're a parent, you you see these things happening out in the real world, and you don't really have the answers. In, in the last month or so, there have been three mass shootings in the U.S. One of them, the the Uvalde school shootings at Robb Elementary, and this one hits particularly hard. I think it's very easy with the 24 News Hour cycle to get desensitized. To this type of news and we we are just bred to move on but that's not necessarily a good thing and i've been thinking about this a lot i think that what i what i want to say what i, what I want to say to you benny is that i hope whenever you hear this that this is less of a problem if a problem at all but today in age where i'm standing It is very much an issue. (laughs) You can hear yourself in the background. When I started this podcast, I wanted to make sure that I was as uh, open and as open-minded as possible. And I've always sort of envisioned it evolving into a platform that I could use to speak to people of all different opinions, all different backgrounds, etc. We haven't gotten there yet. We've only just started. And I do hope to speak to people informed people with informed opinions about a, a, a very number of different things. But when it comes to gun violence on such a scale that we're, we've seen in the last 10 years, it, it's really difficult to think there's an informed opinion out there that would be okay with this happening. And bottom line is, and the truth is, nobody's okay with this happening. Across the board, across party lines, across any kind of division you can think of, most people would say this is wrong 
and it should not be allowed to happen. But how do you prevent it from happening? And, you know, maybe in the future we'll have a better answer. But in an open society, you are open to bad ideas. And unfortunately, we are in this vicious cycle of not knowing what is a good idea versus a bad idea. One side will tell you that the other side's ideas wouldn't be effective. And the other side will tell you that the other side's ideas are also not effective. And we're just, we just end up pointing the finger at one another. I am not myself a gun-toting supporter. I never really saw guns as playing a role in my, in my life. And I hope it doesn't in yours. That's not to say that I don't believe in the spirit of the Second Amendment. That's not to say that I believe people don't have the right to own a gun and maybe defend their families or police the streets or, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not on board with it, but if hunting's a sport, okay. But anything that has risk in it, any sport, any recreational activity, any hobby, any right comes with its limits. We say in the States that we like to be, we're an open, we're a free society, we're a democracy. But the truth is, there are a lot of limits on the most basic of principles. You can't say what you want. You can't publish what you want if defamation laws help protect against that. And, you know, you can't drive a car without a license. I think most of us would agree that you need a license to drive a car. You can't uh, drink alcohol at least in the States, you can't drink alcohol before 21, you know. That might seem arbitrary, but it has helped reduce young drinking accidents, young people getting into accidents caused by drinking. So, yes, you might have the right to do something, but you may not be legally able to until certain things, certain uh, restrictions, certain uh, conditions are met. And we seem to be okay. We're okay with that applicable to guns. Gun owners are okay with that. They're okay with having to pay money to get a gun. They're okay with having to uh, go to a store and get a gun, you know? So they're okay with meeting conditions to be able to purchase a gun. But as soon as we start talking about having restrictions on who can get a gun, for what purpose, it becomes a deeper discussion about their civil rights. And I think there's a hypocrisy there that we're willing to, not me personally, but that some people are willing to turn a blind eye to. Before we got on this, I was playing Play-Doh with you. And we were, we were making different color fruit shapes out of yeah. Play-Doh. Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> I don't want to harp on the constitutional thing too much, but I don't know. I hope I hope your time has found a better way to deal with it because you get in a conversation about a you get into a conversation about the Second Amendment here with someone who thinks differently, and it's a lost cause. I've never I've never owned a gun, and I've never had that desire to own a gun or to fire a gun. In the same way that maybe you've, you know, you're anticipating the new, I don't know, Star Wars 
movie or anticipating that movie coming out, that concert coming up, anticipating getting uh, a new instrument, a new toy, a new tablet, a new iPod. I've never had that feeling with guns. And I feel like some people have. I feel like a lot of these gun supporters, legally, legal abiding, uh, you know, law abiding gun owners, I feel like they, they have that kind of fascination, anticipation for weapons where, I don't know, maybe in these states where they can buy guns at 18, they're waiting till their 18th birthday to, to go buy their first gun, right? And I know that in some parts of the country, fathers and sons bond over hunting or gun sports in the same way that I might bond with you over movies and music. But it's a, it feels like a different thing because of the inherent risk that comes along with it. And I think that, you know, we can't stop the way people feel and we can't uh, try to turn them around on something that's so ingrained. I think the Second Amendment is hugely misinterpreted by the vast majority of people, but it's so ingrained into, into uh, I don't know, like the public lexicon or just general public knowledge or what people feel is true that it just ends up being whatever it is they think it is. And you can't, uh, you can't unring a bell, you know? When I was, I think I was 25. I'm not sure, but it was a while ago. We had, I had an uncle and he was a, he was an American and he was married to one of my aunts. They have two lovely kids who are now grown up. One day we went to visit them. Me, your grandmother, went to visit their house and we spent the afternoon with them. We had food with them, whatnot. And, uh, and they said, hey, uh, my uncle says, hey, why don't want to want to do something today? They want to see my gun collection. And I go, OK, sure. And again, I'm not I'm not particularly excited about about this. Know that my uncle was used to be a uh, was in the military, used to be a security Used to work for like a top security guy. I think he worked on those tr brink trucks that, you know, goes from bank to bank. So he, his uh, line of work always involved weapons. So we spent the afternoon with him and then he invites me downstairs to, to the basement. Takes me through a couple of like labyrinth halls and, uh, and he opens up the safe. And in the safe he has a collection, I want to say like five, five to ten handguns of different sizes, different calibers, and he, uh, he showed them to me. I don't remember how I reacted to it. I don't, I don't remember feeling afraid, but I do remember feeling, I guess, ambivalent is the word. I wasn't particularly excited to see this, but, but I, he was excited. Like, he was showing me, he was like, hey, this one's this, this one's that. I can't remember what he said to me, but... He was particularly excited about showing his his hobby and, and his collection. And so I think I feigned interest. I said, wow, that's, that's really cool. And so then he invites me to, to go to a shooting range. And I've never been to a shooting range before. So, you know, we go upstairs. I think he asks my mom. My mom says, okay. So, so we go to the shooting range. And uh, so we go to the shooting range. My first time there, you get the big muffles over your ears and, and you shoot. I don't remember anything about how I did, how I shot. I don't remember particularly enjoying it. 
I do remember being surprised by the um because I had one of the smaller guns. He gave me one of the one of the smaller guns that he had. <laughs> and uh it had a it had a kick. So I remember thinking, you know, Jesus, if you're shooting something bigger than this, like a rifle, maybe, I could imagine that being quite quite an impact on you. Forget about the person you're hitting, on you, the shooter. And so ever since then, whenever I watch a, a movie or a TV show where there's a lot of gun violence and, you know, they're popping off without any ear protection, there's explosions going and people are just getting up and running and continuing to talk. I knew then and I understood then how bogus that is and how, uh, how powerful these things are. Uh, sometime later, like years, like years later, that uh, my uncle shot himself in his uh, living room and one of his sons found him. I won't go into that. I think that's its own story. But it strikes me that my only experience with guns has a suicide in it. I've never been around guns. I don't care about guns. I never went to the military. I never did any sort of training. But my only experience with guns was with somebody who would go on to, to kill themselves. I think that there's a bigger conversation that involves guns, but it also involves mental health. We never knew about my uncle's uh, health issues. We never knew about his mental health issues, his depression. We, you know, we, we heard about those things after the fact, but we never knew about those things. I never would have assumed it. He came off as such a strong you know, fully formed individual. He didn't seem like the kind of guy who would slip down that path. And obviously there's more to it than that, but it, it shocked us and it broke our heart. What is it with the presence of guns and the issue of mental health that seems to be a parallel theme across all of these stories? Invariably, when you read about the people that commit these crimes at such a mass level. You don't read about happy individuals who were married and had everything figured out and were doctors or lawyers. You read about people that didn't get to do the things they wanted to do and had to sacrifice certain things or maybe lived in broken homes, imperfect upbringings. They were bullied in school or they were, you know, ostracized at work, what have you. It's, it's never a successful doctor shoots up a school. It's uh, someone angry at life. So I have two hopes. I hope that you listen to this and that you recognize yourself in the background. And I hope that you're not angry at life. I will make it my mission to be as supportive and to make sure that you grow up in an environment where this is never possible for you. And we'll leave it at that for now. Guys, let's check out this tune from Grass is Green. And this is a tune called I'll Have Mine. Uh, Grass is Green is this group that was around when I was in bands in Boston. Uh, I guess between, let's say, 2000, 2005 and 2015, something like that. And they were really good, man. One of those bands where, where you look at them, they don't look like sophisticated musicians. Not a dig, just a perception. Uh, that 
they don't look like sophisticated musicians. But when you listen to their tunes and you listen to their songs back to back, you realize all these structure changes and how creative they are with noise. Uh, yeah, they they take you by surprise. And so, Benny, I hope you like it. Uh, hopefully, I haven't drowned your ears with this already, but I hope you enjoy it nonetheless. Grass is green. This is called I'll Have My. Yeah. 
right, so that was grass is green. I think uh, I think you see what I mean, or you hear what I mean, right? I'm glad I shared the story about my uncle, and I'm glad that that I was able to get some of these some of these things off my chest. The truth is, I don't know what the answer is, and I think, you know, I kind of go over like all of these laws that get proposed after after situations like this massacres. Would any of those laws prevented this specific case? Uvalde, Texas, Rob Elementary. You have an 18-year-old who bought his guns close to his 18th birthday and shot his grandma before going to the school and shooting it up. The school had a guard system. The school had, and the community had protocols for active shooters, and yet somehow we end up with the most, the most extensive school shooting uh, in history. So what kind of law would have prevented that from happening? You could say, you know, upping the age to be able to buy a gun to 21 would have prevented this 18-year-old from going in there and shooting up. Absolutely. I think that that would be a good way to go. I fully support this idea of being 21 to, to purchase a gun. Now, I do believe 21 is rather arbitrary. I've always thought being 21 to drink is rather arbitrary. You can go to war at 18. You can drive a car at 16. So you can buy a pack of smokes at 18. In Bolivia, where we live now, uh, you you can drink at 18. Now, Bolivia doesn't have a big drunk driver problem. It does have a drinking problem. There are a lot of young people in the urban neighborhoods that have drinking problems and substance abuse problems. But it's not to the level that you might see in more developed countries. And maybe you don't see a lot of drunk driving because having a car is like something rich people have. Most young people, um, even, you know, up until leaving university wouldn't have their own car. They would, they would take public, public transportation. So there are a lot of reasons why, but 21 seems arbitrary. 18 seems arbitrary. If you, up the age limit to 21, you know, maybe a 21-year-old would have shut up the school. Maybe this guy would have shut it up in three years. So there's no real clear solution. Well, what, what if you banned guns altogether? And you said, you can't buy guns that are semi-automatics, which, you know, assault-style weapons. That, to me, makes sense. You know, if, you're, if you like to uh, hunt for sport, you know, you're not looking to shoot off so many rounds with a semi-automatic weapon. It makes sense to me. But then, you know, this guy in this particular case had 40 minutes to shoot up the school before the cops or the police on scene were able to take him down. So would that have really stopped a massacre? Maybe he would have been able to shoot less people, but he still would have shot some people. So, you know, banning semi-automatic weapons, probably curb it, wouldn't completely eliminate it. Uh, banning all guns together, probably not. Unfortunately, our capitalist way of life in the U.S. is so deeply ingrained that we would never, ever take away the gun market. For the same reasons, we won't take away the cigarette market. We have all the evidence in the world to know that cigarettes aren't good for you, but we're still selling them all over the world. So what else could we do? Could we just guard every single school 
and lock it down so that no one could go in or out without proper authorization, IDs. Well, how practical is that? Public school probably wouldn't go well and it would probably raise public school costs, which as it is, we barely we can barely pay for. So there is no easy solution to the problem. There is no one quick fix. There's a bunch of fixes that can mitigate the chances and the probability of things like this happening. But even those require a massive amount of political will. If you did raise on a federal level the age to 21 to be able to buy any gun, I mean, I think that would mitigate a good amount of what we've seen recently. A lot of a lot of young people, a lot of gun violence, but it still wouldn't eliminate the issue. And that's exactly what the opposition will use against us. It's um, it's tough not to crack. At the end of the day, it's in the culture. And what I mean by that, again, comparing it to Bolivia. Bolivia is like a small little petri dish of society. It doesn't really have uh, fully formed systems the way we might in the States. Uh, and there's a lot of things you can criticize about it. But the culture here is very much not around guns. Don't get me wrong, still plenty of violence happening across the country, still plenty of domestic violence, still plenty of drunks, still plenty of substance abuse. These issues do exist here. But because guns are out of the question, because it's not really hunting for sport doesn't really exist here, you know, and you don't have it so deeply ingrained into the constitution here that people don't really turn to guns as a form of recreation or look to it to form part of their identity. It's not a, it's not a hobby. The only times I've seen guns in Bolivia are outside of banks. You know, when they're guarding the door, there's usually a guard there with a massive pistol, rifle, whatever, around his shoulder. And it always catches me by surprise because it's such a massive weapon and they're just standing there like they're ready to uh, shoot it in case they need to. But it's so not part of the culture that you rarely hear about gun violence, let alone mass shootings. And there's something to be said for that. It's, there's something about American culture that emulates, not emulates, but we, we put guns on the pedestal. We, we put the Constitution on the pedestal, however we interpret it, and we... We also idolize uh, soldiers, and it's unfortunate because it makes it difficult to have a productive conversation about gun safety and gun control when parts of the population, half the country, basically, feels like it's such a part of their identity. They can't separate themselves from it. And so it's a culture issue, and I don't know if we're ever going to be able to fix that in the States. I don't think we are. And... I'm saying this to you now because I hope that whoever I turn out to be in 10, in 10 years or what have you, I hope I've said this to you already. You know, I hope that you know where I stand on these things. But sometimes those things get lost in the mix, you know? Sometimes they're not super clear and we don't we don't say them the way we want to say them. So I hope I hope this gets to you the right way. And that you're able to find some sort of solace in, in this. So I'll leave it at that. 
I really liked talking or speaking with you. And I hope that anyone listening here takes the opportunities they have to communicate about these things with the people you love. It's, it's the only way that we can move forward with these issues, even if it's on a, such a small scale. We got to try, right? And so with that said, I'm going to leave you with another tune from Grass is Green. They got a good collection of work on Spotify, so they'll be added to the Bands to Dig Out list, and you can check this out yourself. This one's going to be called Vacation. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for listening. Take it easy. Peace. 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 Peace.